percent sure. Okay, well then go ahead with the intro. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> welcome to Moods, the podcast where I forgot the intro. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Where our point is moot and... Uh, okay, the general gist is, like, uh, yeah, don't take anything we say, like, as fact, because everything we say is just the opinions of two mildly educated people. Um, Podcast for mistakes are guaranteed and our point is moot. <laughs> see, they work... They, well, we live up to the guarantee. Well, <laughs> you know? It's I'm been giving, a whole season. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who am I to remember a sentence? <laughs> that I've I encourage said you to not. Fucking 15 times. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, yes, today's episode. Welcome to season two. Yes, that, that's also a thing. That's... This is season two. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that. Actually, you did, because this will probably be in the title. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that, though. Uh, Good God! Oh, I'm so glad good. this is not a. I'm so glad this is not a solo act because I would be <laughs> fucking dead in the water. It's been a while since we've recorded. I mean, that's a thing. Yeah, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today's episode is going to be about Warhammer because our first episode was about Warhammer, and also Warhammer is what started Jeremy and my relationship <laughs> it's true it's been like so long it's true and I've, I've learned he's so needy and you know couples counseling is helping but it's not enough the problem is that jeremy's a very selfish lover yes and i'm i'm never gonna i'm, I'm not a size queen or anything like that you know I, you don't have to be big but you gotta at least try don't get down on yourself <laughs> oh god that was a smooth comeback <laughs> but you know what if i wanted to come back i would just ask your mom to cough so snip that's all right i i'm i just don't want to know about it just do whatever whatever makes you guys happy see that that is so level-headed and sweet that it just ruined my whole like ghetto trash talk thing <laughs> i uh, i think i think i know what i'm gonna do if i end up in a rap battle i'm just gonna be like very sweet and understanding <laughs> Because it fucking works. It threw me off. <laughs> that would be refreshing, though, to like see, like, if you're watching, what was the one Eminem did? Eight Mile or something? Boy, oh, watching he, watching two people well, go at it, and the other guy starts, like, talking about his garden, you know, lifting you, the other you, guy's spirits you, up. You're, you're, asking, you're asking questions I can't possibly answer them. <laughs> you never saw Eight Mile? I heard of it now. <laughs> 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 okay, so Warhammer, Warhammer. Warhammer. Um, so, uh, since we did our last episode, uh, between Ty and Joe, they've gotten me into painting and building my own army. Which made me very happy. Yeah, you guys are both super psyched about it. And that's really what kept me going at first, but now I'm addicted. So, I've spent... The thing is, though, it is an addictive fucking... It, it's called plastic crack for a reason, man. It's... <laughs> It's it's such a and it's such a healthy addiction because you're working on a long term goal, you know. Uh, it's it's like it gives you serotonin instead of just dopamine, you know. It's it's a it's a it's you the high you get from from the hobby is the high of fulfillment, and it's it's boy is it effective. It's a good one. Yeah, 
I when I finished my first tray of rats, like, so I, I'm I know that that Age of Sigmar is the big thing going on right now, uh, and they use the they use round bases. So if you don't if you don't play Warhammer or table or you play the game but not tabletop or something, um, the 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 figurines that you get they either come on like circular bases and you move all of your guys individually or they or they the old Warhammer fantasy style was you had a tray and all the individual soldiers had square bases and you lined them up in lines. And, and for, for, for reference, like the bases means the plate they stand on. Yeah, yeah, they're just like little plastic things. Yeah, yeah like you can decorate them with like grass or skulls or just paint them. Or yeah. not, I mean, just it's your model, man. You do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, you can just fart on them if you want, make them smell bad. Yeah. Please don't, though, if you're going to play with someone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, like, I finished my first tray of 20 clan rats, and it was such a good feeling to see the whole thing finished, to see, like, no, all of the painting was done. And they look, they're not, like, I, I've seen, you know, even the speed painters, they look, like, parade ready when you, I watch YouTube videos, try to learn techniques, and the, it's not, they're not that good, but they're not terrible. They're like okay, and it was there was a bit real. There was a real sense of pride with that. I was like, yeah, this was a big project because it is. It took hours and hours. Painting is kind of a pain in the butt, but it's fun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a bigger fan of the building part, but I do love painting too. It's just hard for me to get into it unless I'm sitting with a friend, because I'm I'm so easily distracted. <laughs> but like once you get into it, like it just it just it's like meditation. Because I've tried to meditate and it never works for me because uh, I'm uh, my head's everywhere. You know, they say empty your mind, relax. It's like I can't do those two things at the same time, man. <laughs> um, but with the painting, it's like it keeps my hands busy. It keeps my eyes busy and the hours will pass by. Like, uh, you know, my friend Charlie, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I got her into an episode. Yeah. I got her into the hobby last November right uh and um uh i just we we went to like this uh this gaming club called uh, titan you know it's uh it's like a where you can play warhammer or you can sit and paint and chat and you know, like there's all sorts of board games they do yeah so i just gave her some chaos cultists i bought um because i thought chaos cultists looked so cool and i was like fan, like flirting with the idea of getting a chaos army but I'm so indoctrinated by, you know, the Imperium at this point that, well, Necrons are my main army, but uh, there's no fucking way I'm ever going to serve the, the, you know, ruinous powers. Um, so I gave those to her so she could paint something and try it out. And we sat there for like five hours and just lost ourselves in it. And we thought it gone. We, th we thought it'd been like 40 minutes. <laughs> like you just, whoa, where am I? What happened? Yeah. And after that, she was sold. Uh, she got herself some Dark Angels, uh, which is, you know, a Space Marine chapter, you know. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, she's read books about them. She's really into it. And her army is fucking bigger than mine. <laughs> and she's painted it too. Like, she, I'm, I have a big pile of gray shame because I'm a slow ass painter. Because <laughs> I'm so meticulous and it's, it, I'm like a wheelbarrow with a bad wheel you know it's it takes forever to get me started yeah and she 
he works from home so she like paints while she's like between when she has not no work to do you know when there's nothing nothing to do she has uh, an art background too right like she's yeah she's a graphic uh, graphic designer yeah so she's probably comfortable doing this sort of stuff in a way oh, yeah. is different I, certainly for me i don't know what your relationship is with art but mine is very sort of I, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a, a trained uh, 3D artist. <laughs> I have a bachelor's degree in it, so I was like, it's, yeah, yeah. And and I'm sure she does like other artistic things on the side. She said she she strikes me as a crafty person. Oh oh yeah, she's very crafty. Like not just clever, but as in making crafts. Yeah no, she's clever and crafty. <laughs> She's crappy and crappy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Craft and craft. There's a there's a store by me. It's called Gamers Haven. It's in Parma, and I went to a bunch of different stores in the area because we have a several. And I, I I was just looking for I don't know I didn't know what I was looking for because I was still new to the hobby, but I didn't I knew I needed sort of a home base and uh, Gamers Haven was the one where I walked in. They had sort of like the setup was real nice. The people were real friendly. Like everybody was like offering advice, and they had the type of games that I wanted to play. Like some stores will only do 40k, and there one store one store only does 40k basically. Um, There's another store that did uh, more like D and D type tabletop paper and pencil stuff RPGs, and so you know everybody has their own shtick. And the one that I found, Gamers Haven, is, is real nice because they've got a guy that comes in three days a week and he really knows his painting. Like he's, he's done, he's got more than a dozen armies for a whole bunch of different tabletop games. He's a lifelong hobbyist. And he sat me down. He's like, oh, so you're going to do Clan Rants, eh? And he like just, <laughs> just kind of went through everything and showed me like little techniques and stuff right there in the store. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. And uh, I haven't been, I haven't had the chance to actually play a game at the store yet because they mostly play on Fridays and Sundays. I mean, they have stuff, they have events every day, but um, it's, there's all sorts of different games that they have going on there. And yeah, and also it's nice to show up with like a fully painted army, right? Yeah, I, I want like my the first time I play, I won't it won't be painted, but I would like to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first time I played, my army wasn't even properly built. Is like legs on bases <laughs> i was like yeah no, these are necron warriors you can tell because of the size of the bases and the legs that are identical to every other necron's legs <laughs> yeah because that's how that's the way it is you can tell it is because that's how it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh. Yeah, um, and they, they got me into the Game of Thrones tabletop because, and that's so much cheaper too, which is really nice because if you spend like $150 in Games Workshop models, you can get a decent amount of units. You can get maybe, I don't know, maybe like two or three packages of infantry, a couple heroes, and maybe like one medium-sized monster or something. But I think you can get a lot more than that actually, but it, then it's better to buy like the combat patrol boxes or this like the start collecting kits because yeah. then you get like a really good value yeah because they'll give you like a big thing uh some elite things and many small things 
and it'll be like, you know, I, I don't know what the American prices are, but here it'll be around like 60, 70 bucks. Well, that's actually cheaper because maybe, maybe it's your proximity to England or something. Because I think it might be because when I go to the Games Workshop store um, and I'm like, because sometimes it just starts on like America or France or like a random fucking country. I think it has like a thing where it doesn't want to discriminate against countries or something. So it just picks a random country to start at. Um, and I noticed that the prices had like a pretty, pretty big drop the second I got to Norway, you know, like when I was on the American one, I'm like, wow, okay. That's, that is not just a con- conversion rate. You know, that, that's, that's yeah. a different price. Yeah. And I think that has to do with the, uh, Everything is produced in England, you know, in Nottingham. Yeah. It's $90 for the start collecting boxes here. So. Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, that's a lot more. Yeah. But uh, it's, still a good, it's still a good value for, uh, for, uh, for what you get. Well, the thing is, for the, for the Game of Thrones game, 90 bucks buys you an entire army. And with a, about 150 you can get basically all their expansions. Oh yeah, that's 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 very good. Yeah, and that's very good. It's it's nice because there's a lot less models, so it takes way less time to paint. Like I did a whole tray because each tray of infantry usually has about twelve models in it, unless there's some like ridiculously weird thing about it. But most oh yeah, yeah, you're you're playing fucking Warhammer Fantasy. Warhammer, yeah, I'm playing Warhammer Fantasy. So, oh, Warhammer Fantasy battles, yeah, that is that is uh, that one is uh, infamously expensive to play. It's, it's really that, that was that was part of why it shut down because it was so expensive, it was inaccessible to new players. Yeah, I got uh, some lucky breaks. Like uh, friends, I've had a, I had a few friends who had Skaven, which is what I'm collecting. They were like, oh yeah, I just have some leftover Skaven. They just like sent it to me. It's sweet. So, a lot of the models I got were for free and then my friend who is determined Ty, he's he's he refuses to play 40k and since the store i go to is really big into the game of thrones game uh and they don't really do a lot of age of sigmar anyway i was like well i could rebase all of these or i could just play one game with the gaming store and then play warhammer fantasy with ty and kevin and some of the other people that play around me um, but it is a lot of models. Like you'll you'll have a tray with a hundred, you know, Skaven. Yeah, stuff. that that's the the, the scale of uh, Warhammer Fantasy battles is just crazy to me. There's so many in there. Yeah. Fun fact that I may have said before: uh, the Total War games. I read an interview in like 2016 when the first Warhammer game came out. Uh, that some of the old bloods from uh, Creative Assembly said that uh, because they're British nerds, obviously, so they they were very familiar with Warhammer, uh, and they said that their love of Warhammer was why Total War is the way it is, because they basically mimicked the tabletop game and made it a computer game, but they didn't have the rights to the game, so they made history games instead. But they were gushing about how it was such a lifelong dream for them to make a Warhammer game in 2016 when they actually made the Warhammer game and how Total War was already a Warhammer game in spirit. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my that's, God. Uh, that's amazing, right? That's, that's why Total War and Warhammer Fantasy Battles, it's such an organic mix. It just, it just fits so naturally together. 
Yeah. And I love that too, that the, 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 it's like meeting your hero, except not just meeting your hero, but help create, you know, it's, it's, it would be so surreal to spend, imagine spending like 10 years on the design team, just being like, imagine if these were all goblins, you know? <laughs> this is, this is, these were all squigs and, and this was a goblin with goblin I don't know I and then suddenly you get the opportunity yeah to actually like craft Scarsnick imagine being like the art department and being able to make the models for it oh but do you notice how faithful the models are like the in-game models are to the original models too yeah and you know it's so unbelievably faithful it's it's and, amazing I love it and, and the the I think that they're, you know, because they, they want to reboot fantasy. They want to reboot it in a way that's more accessible to people, but still kind of go back because so many people are into the fantasy now, partially because of Total War. I think I think I think it's not even like partially. I think it's primarily because of Total War. Because okay. if you look at online engagement with Warhammer Fantasy, uh, like just like memes and shit like that, and artwork and you know fan fiction and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, I saw some statistics uh, that I, I don't remember where they got them, but I believe them because, you know, I, 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 follow Warhammer, I followed Warhammer for a while too, and I never really saw anything about Warhammer Fantasy until after Total War. And, it, it, like, the increase is well over 95%. It's ridiculous <laughs> how, like, online engagement with that franchise took off after yeah. that game. Vermintide had played a big role in it too. But both of those games released with a very close window, you know, like late 2015 and like then 2016. Yeah. And Vermintide is also very popular. Like friends that I have. Oh, yeah. I was just talking to a friend from high school and he was always more, like he played Melee with me. We went to tournaments together and he, well, I went to tournaments with him, I should say. He was more into it than I was even. And I was, <laughs> I was pretty freaking into it. I but can't believe that. He, he was, oh, he was so good too. <laughs> he was so good. Um, he he's always been more of like a he's been a much more competitive gamer which was surprised me when he's like oh yeah i play vermintide i was like oh that's interesting <laughs> you know so i was telling him a little bit about the hobby and he's like no the only knowledge i have is because of vermintide but the, the number of people who play warhammer games has gone way way up and i think mordheim had like some mild success with like D types people i know a couple of people that played mordheim but hadn't been a- yeah, i really love the idea of mordheim it's like the fact that you create like a little team, you can customize them and everything like that. Yeah. And if they get injured or killed or like if they, if they, if they get damaged in any way, they can get like traumatized and get debuffs or they can get boosted by Victoria stuff. They can lose like limbs and have to get like prosthetics, like a peg leg and shit like that. Missing yeah. an eye. It's, it's really that, that I, I'm so into that. But I just had such a hard time playing the game and enjoying it. You know, it was, I didn't get it. And also it felt very unpolished when I played it. It might've changed now. It hasn't. It's, it is an okay game. I like the idea too. Like I like the permanent injuries. I like that it's difficult, but the problem is I don't agree with how the, how the game's difficulty is set up because I think that the developers leaned on certain arbitrary difficulty things that they added because they didn't know how to make it as like grimdark as they wanted to so like for instance um i got pretty far my warband was like level five or six i was 
kind of churning my way through the story a bit. And I had a pretty decent war band set up. It was pretty fail safe. I was going, I think at the mercenaries because they're the ranged faction. So I was like messing around with like archers and stuff and uh, guns and real strong, you know, fail safe faction. But then it randomly stuck. Like I played a battle and it randomly deployed one of my most important heroes in the corner against a Skaven opponent. And before any of my guys could move because they're Skaven, the, you know, real fast and, you know, all that, they surrounded and had murdered him by the end of the first turn. And then he died permanently. And like all of my money and all of my resources, I had put into that guy. And so oh. anything, it had nothing to do with like a bad decision that I made or like, you know, something like I didn't feel like the mistake was my fault. And so it made it really frustrating. And I just, I never played that campaign again. Yeah, no, I, I hate that shit, man. Like I, I love, I love having, I love the situation you described right now. Everything about it, except that it wasn't your fault. Like one of my favorite games of all time is XCOM. Uh, <laughs> I, I adore XCOM. It's just such a brilliant fucking game. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's so good because if you play it on Iron Man, like it's just so heartbreaking when <laughs> you go like, eh, I can check that corner with my face. Oh God, sectoids! You know, yeah, it's yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Like just having like a chrysalid jump through a window and then eviscerate one of your guys, and you were like, No, but I just got into Colonel. You know, it's, <laughs> it's I love it. Yeah. But, but in those cases, it's like, oh, I explored something and I didn't take this proper safety yeah, that's, precautions. Yeah, because that's, that's you fucking up. You know, you could have you could have tested that without spending all your steps. Yeah. You could have uh, made sure you had uh, like you were in cover when you checked it. Uh, you could make sure that you had uh, fire support to protect your uh, like retreat from them. You know, you can you can do all sorts of stuff to prep yourself and plan it out and. As long as you're careful uh, and meticulous, yeah. There's always there was always like RNG, you know, like he shouldn't have hit you, but he hit you anyways. But that's the name of the game, you know. Sometimes the dice fucks you. Your your job is to make sure that the chances of those dice fucking you are really low. Yes, you know, and the chances of those dice smiling on you are really high. Like you're supposed to work around the odds because. It's kind of like that in real life too. There's no no guarantees. Random shit happens. You just have to try and prevent most random stuff from. Yeah, it's, it's like wearing a seatbelt. Like you do, yeah. do you get in a lot of crashes in your car? No, but the, when you do get in a car crash, you want to make sure your seatbelt's on. Yeah, you, you want to prepare for bad eventualities. Yeah, because you you want to increase your chances of surviving a crash, even if it's one that would have otherwise been benign. Yeah, you know, like you got to assume that bad shit happens too. Because it's like, no, I'm just going to drive extra careful. Uh, it's like, no, I still assume you're going to crash. Like, wear the seatbelt as if you're going to crash. Yeah. Because even if you drive, like, perfectly smoothly, you know, you never know if some drunk fucking Tom is rushing down a hill, you know? Yeah. You could be doing everything right, and you could still get screwed. And that's XCOM for you. <laughs> but most of the time it feels like you fucked up like it, it feels like you didn't wear the seat belt when you got fucked over yes yes exactly 
and and yeah, more Mordheim, it's just they just don't put a seatbelt in the car. It's like what the hell? Yeah, Mordheim frequently sets up its levels or like the, the deployment comes down to random chance and they will just randomly fuck you and it's annoying and, and the other thing about more time that i didn't really like was how grindy it was because you have to you have to get your wordstone shipments in on time for the smugglers and that that's a that's a cool mechanic because it forces you to play riskier than you normally would because you need to go around collecting as much as you can on top of like you know, no. setting up your defenses or, or or getting into a position that that's good but you know, I just had an idea. What if you made a XCOM game that was like Mordheim? That would be amazing. I, I would play the shit out of that. Because you know they have made an XCOM game that's like 40k. You know? Oh, they have. Yeah, it's a game called Mechanicus. Oh. Uh, it's uh, it, so it's, many, it's, it's so many Warhammer. There's so many Warhammer games, and so <laughs> many of them are completely <laughs> utter crap, uh, because it's such a popular IP. So. Yeah. People often make it for use it for cash grabs, but Mechanicus is one of those games. I haven't played myself, even though I bought it, because I after I got a job, I, you know, it's like I never have time to play games. Uh, but I did watch like the Mandalore, his uh, review of it, and I trust Mandalore because he is he is thorough in his his reviews and he nitpicks. I like I like people who nitpick in reviews because, you know. I'm I'm excitable, uh, and it's it's, it's it, I need someone to get me down to earth. Like okay, but <laughs> like remember, the these, good. these things are these things are not good. You know, I need someone to do that for me. Yeah, uh, I can I can excite myself without assistance. You know, it reminds um, me of zero punctuation. He's really good at that. Zero punctuation is great at like, not only is he highly critical, which you don't. It, I don't find nor, normally I don't find highly critical for the sake of being critical great. But because nah, the game kind of industry is so like I like IGN reviews totally fucking worthless. The most worthless crap you've ever read. Because anything that a, that a gaming outlet produces, there they can only give so low a score, and they can only be so honest. Multiple gaming journalists, and we put those in air quotes, uh, have been fired before being realistic about a launch that for a major triple a developer that was expecting good reviews because they need to slap it on all the things and so it is nice for the gaming industry at least to see people be critical and yeah not only is he critical but he's really good at kind of pulling all the nonsense frills that the gaming industry tries to sell you like oh you know this uses our patented laser eye technology where the lasers go directly into your eye and you can see 3D or whatever bullshit. So (laughs) I wouldn't buy that game. I I sound like I'm 70, but it's, (laughs) but what he he does is really good about uh, with his reviews is describing how fun it is. Like, is it actually an enjoyable game to play? Is it something you'd want to sink many hours into, or do you only enjoy the first 90 seconds or 90 minutes? What's this guy's name again? It's it is, I don't know what his name is, but his uh, franchise or his label is no, 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 like his, his YouTube name. You know, I'm not asking for his personal. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna find the guy. Zero zero punctuation. He, zero punctuation. Yes, he does his reviews. They're all on YouTube. They're all about three to four minutes long, and he writes for the Escapist. And okay, his his reviews. He posted when he first got started. This is so long time ago. 
um, when he first got started, he had put up two video game reviews and he had done all the art himself. And the escapist found him and was like, hey, do you want to like do this all the time? And so that became his job. And he just... Oh, I love it when people get like their dream jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he's good at it. I really like his, his reviews. They're, they're, they're funny. Um, they're a little... They were a lot funnier when I was like 19... 20 years old now now i'm like older and it's there's a lot of toilet humor but he's still he's witty and he's clever so it's it's that makes up for it quite a bit um, I most people who play games are 19 or 20 well and that's the thing is it's it's his messaging is right at his target audience <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's perfect but i think you'll like it look up look up a few games that you've played before especially games that you've hated and if he's reviewed them, just watch him. And especially if you, you hated the game, there it is kind of satisfying to watch him rip, rip the shit out. Because yeah. he, he does like some games. Sometimes you can tell he likes a game because he didn't crap on it too much. And he says, I actually enjoyed myself. But there are a few games he actually holds to a high standard. And those games he'll, he'll kind of... Tear into them. No, he'll, he'll, he'll kiss their ass. Uh, <laughs> okay like he did he did a review he did a review for silent hill 2 and he kind of makes fun of like the clunky controls at one point but the rest of it is just the glowing sort of this is a video game like he, he says in the review something something to the effect of oh you know <laughs> uh some silent hill 2 is the game that i play to remind myself why i play video games at all when i'm you know angry at the industry for being shit when you said when you said he held him to a higher standard, I got a completely different message. <laughs> I thought he was going to be more strict with them. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, that makes sense. I, I guess I should have I should have chosen yeah. different words there. But yeah, yeah, Mechanicus. Mechanicus is forty uh, k. Yeah, Mechanicus is like uh, XCOM in forty k. It's. Uh, uh, it, it's it's gotten a ton of good reviews. It's like one of the one of the best Warhammer games they say. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to play it when I have the time, which is stupid because I've had a month of time now, <laughs> but I've done everything else except play Mechanicus. Yeah, except for playing video games in general. Actually, I have basically not played any games. You know what's a real tragedy? I haven't really been able to play the DLC that came out like two weeks ago because for I've been able to. I've been able to. I've been. I have nothing but like I, I've 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 got no commitments. You know. Yeah. I've had all the opportunity possible, and I've just like I don't know. I feel kind of burnt out by video games. I've just had more stuff going on. I've, I've used this summer to really try to accomplish things that were not done around the house. Like my garage door had been broken for a while and my garage has never, like when we first moved in, we had only lived here for about four or five days when a friend of mine from college goes, Oh, I, you know what? You know what? I want to hear the story for the next episode because then we're going to talk about debt and money and shit. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. And and you had a pretty big expense with that fucking tree in your garden. Oh, so I think that will fit nicely into all of that. <laughs> that's true. But, I can I can bitch about my garage then. Yeah, let's try to stick it to Warhammer for now. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Um, it's a new season. We're gonna get better. That's my promise. More focus. 
Yeah, more focused. I promise. I will try to range it in, even though I am the one. Season two of Moot. Jeremy gets addicted to Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as if. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> while while we're resetting, I'm going to do a word from our sponsor here. All right. So today's product is soft foot grass. Now, soft foot grass is the grass that encourages a shoeless, sockless outdoor adventure. If you spread this grass seed on your lawn, disembodied feet literally grow straight out of the ground, allowing you to walk barefoot outdoors on top of other bare feet. Oh my God. Softfoot grass brand grass seed also has its Halloween line, which includes its athletic line of feet. Or you can get the decorative Halloween line, which sports boils, bunions, and toe molds. Softfoot grass grass seed. Walk high with this grass and spread your seed today. Oh my god. I mean, that's a good ad, but what a product. Oh, I think it's a wonderful product. Oh. A smelly one. But, but would it be smelly? Because I, I wonder if without shoes on all day. It would sure shit be smelling the first time you mow your lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's one you really want to pick up the clippings for. It's a, like a <laughs> It's like a self-fertilizing lawn. It'll be the grass will be green all winter. Jesus Christ! Well, you are supposed to fertilize in the fall and in the early spring. So what you could do, I guess, is just just mow the feet. Mow the feet, <laughs> mow the feet only by the Halloween line. You know, only yeah. get the, the disgusting, abscess-filled, like like pus-covered feet, and then yeah. mow those in like late October, and then let it let it rot and fertilize over winter. Yeah, yeah. Mow the feet, close the windows. Mm-hmm. Well, it's cold, so that works. That's perfect. Yeah, it'll be preserved until spring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. Our sponsors are getting weirder, but I won't say no to money. So I'll, I'll read whatever. You, you send it to me, I'll read it. Yeah. This is I, not my fault. This is this is the audience we pander to. Yeah. Our, our audience is awful. They're, they're bad people. So if you're if you're listening to us, that ad was your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was you. You supported this ad by listening to this podcast. You are not an okay person. Oh, yeah, you are, you are great. You're great, but you know you got to cut out the feature. <laughs> oh my god, I am so excited for Warhammer Fury. I am losing my mind. I cannot wait until I game comes. Oh my god. God, yeah, and and what I think is so cool is they're gonna change out the deathmatch thing, uh, uh, with well, and then they're gonna change it out, but they're gonna have like dominion, so that they have capture points. Yeah, even more like the tabletop, and it's really good for like multiplayer and stuff because, let's say you play dwarves, right? Yeah, you can just sit in the corner, rot, and just use your artillery until people walk into you, right? But if you have yeah. to capture the points, you can't do that because any enemy can just take those points and watch you in the corner. But you can still, you, you don't have to capture the points. You can still kill the enemy. If you kill all, like if you, if you defeat the enemy like in a normal way, just slaughtering them, you yeah. still win the match. But if someone is trying to be a total douche and like kite or something like that, or just avoid combat, then you can just take the points and go like, okay, yeah, avoid combat. I'll wait for you, bitch. Yeah. Well, and, and they're also making it so it's four-player multiplayer. So for battles, I don't know. What would be sweet is if they have four-person four campaigns. 
That would be ideal. That would be, I, I would probably, I, I don't even know. Like that would be just the, the greatest thing. But if they, if, yeah. in lieu of that, I'm happy with four person battles because that means like- Because you know, you know the argument against the, the most people use against the multiple multiplayer campaign thing is that, oh, it'll take, it'll take too long, you know? It's like, bitch, if I cared about what takes long, I probably wouldn't play like- Warhammer. Play Warhammer. <laughs> you know? And I definitely wouldn't play it with other people. You know, like if you play co-op together, it takes forever. Yeah. So, when you play with four people, you can sit and talk to each other, you know? You have something on your second monitor. If you don't have a second monitor, you, you know, masturbate on Zoom, you know? <laughs> Whatever people do these days. I'm not, up to, I'm not up to date. Do it like a New York Times editor. You know, get fired for it. That's really... Yeah, show, yeah, okay. show your stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, but I, I do understand that there's a problem with it, though, because, like, desyncs would probably be a big issue i think that might be the main issue actually probably i mean when, when people often think about like they often think about stuff if the game works flawlessly and that's why they mention uh the time but i don't think the time is the real reason they haven't done it i think desyncs is the big problem because you can still get some pretty nasty desyncs the way it is now and i can only imagine that getting more unstable with like two extra players yeah, and, and I imagine that certain other like glitches might spiral. Like sometimes, like Ty, Ty and I play a lot of uh, multiplayer Warhammer, and it, it when when we're kind of on it, it's it averages out to like once a week, if not more. Um, and so when we play, there are a lot of times where we'll get to an end turn, like you know, going through all the the factions, and it'll crash randomly. And we have to take retake our turns, but in a different way to prevent that glitch from happening again. Because if we just if we do our turns the same, we fight the same battles with the same armies and do the same things, it crashes at the same spot. But then, like instead of going out and fighting somebody in march mode, we'll sit in ambush stance in our capital and not fight the battle. And then the end turn happens fine and goes to the next turn. And yeah, I've had that uh, thing happen when I played with uh, other friends too. Yeah, so like, yes. and some sometimes when you play on like legendary, you have to do stuff in a certain way. You're like kind of hamstrung from doing stuff in different ways. So if you get an opportunity to say ambush Morathi in that battle there before she gets to her castle, you kind of have to do it. You have to. That's the battle that fucks up. And then you're like, oh, well, that, this campaign is over, I guess. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I could keep going in this campaign. But sometimes something like that, like missing a valuable opportunity to take out a legendary lord that's vulnerable right there, not doing that can set you back 10 or 20 turns. And that has a butterfly effect. It spirals. So like, oh, you didn't take out Marathi? Oh, well, now you can't siege her city. And now you can't, you know. Yeah, and now suddenly... So suddenly, like Tretch, who you were going for right after Marathi, is now a powerhouse because you've been rotting outside your capital city, waiting for Marathi to leave hers because <laughs> you can't leave yours because then she takes yours. Right. You know? And somehow Marathi inexplicably pays Tyrion to go to war with you, and you're just like, okay, well that's cool, I guess. Yeah. It's like <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's okay. I had an aggression pact with him, and he loves me, and I have no aversion towards him. But you know, <laughs> she hates him, but she 
convinced him to fight his ally. <laughs> they have minus 150 relations or whatever. <laughs> that, that United against us feature is, is the dumbest thing ever because it's like it was it made sense in Warhammer 1 as far as I remember it but then they just added it in some patch in Warhammer 2 they changed it because United against us has always been a thing that's just the message they say when someone's been invited to war you know yeah but it became like a whole thing at some point in the second year of Warhammer 2 because they did some updates to make it more difficult or something uh and it was the stupidest thing because it doesn't make it more difficult. It makes it more like, uh, <laughs> which is all I can describe it as. Like well, that's how you really feel. Yeah, <laughs> in explicit you know? detail. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes it makes it more annoying. It's like <laughs> it's not the right kind of difficulty. I love it as a feature because when Ty and I play, there's nothing more satisfying than like seeing him massing his armies somewhere and then having someone behind him declare war on him. And he has to like drop his plans, run across. He still loses a settlement or two. Like I love it as a feature, especially in a multiplayer campaign that you're going to invest like 10 to 15 hours with with a friend. I feel but like it's a must as a feature. It's just, it shouldn't. What, like, what bothers should... me is when like, with when like Thorgrim, a, a stern dwarf who's got like 50,000 grudges with every green skin alive decides to somehow pay a green skin faction he's not at war with to go to war with me. That that kind of stuff drives me nuts because it's like this doesn't seem like a thing. It should be a thing that you can only you can only do United Against Us if you have like if the AI has like over 50 uh, relations with the faction and the faction dislikes you to a certain limit I, like, I disagree with that should have, no, I, th- I, think, I, think the, I think they should like the faction and the faction should dislike you because then, then you can kind of expect it, you can play around it you can, uh, you, your relationships with the factions would matter I, I think that they're, they're I, I agree with having a certain threshold where the enemy dislikes you like if they have a non-aggression pact and they're like plus 40 they shouldn't be able to, to unite against you or it should be very they should have to be paid in enormous sum of money or something but i i, I do think it's fine like I, I don't think you have to be in good a good relationship with somebody else to convince them to go to war with somebody so if like i'm there uh, okay 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 that that, that that makes sense that makes sense because you know there's a whole thing enemy of my enemy is my friend you know mm-hmm. that sense yeah they shouldn't hate the faction they're asking because it 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 doesn't make sense there there shouldn't be because warhammer being started in the 70s and about a whole bunch of very different races like orcs and elves and humans and whatever like they're they're the, the warhammer universe has a lot of racial disparities and they also there's a lot of a lot of personal grudges so like Arkan the Black gets a dip, dip, diplomacy penalty with the other Tomb Kings because he aided Nagash. So yeah, they don't like him. He's a traitor to them, you're right? Exactly. So those types of things, I think, should be taken into account. And there should be some things that are just 
prohibited 100% of the time. That like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So instead of the relations, you use the aversions. Yeah, you use the lore, you use the, you use the Warhammer fluff to, to, to dictate who can unite against who. And I don't really think that there really needs to be a whole bunch of checks, but the obvious no, holes just, should be blocked. You can just use the aversions as a check because each race has an aversion with another race. That's true, yeah. Like dwarfs have like uh, minus 40 with green skins, I think it is. Yeah. You know, they, they, they don't stand them at all. Humans have like minus 30 with vampires. Uh, funny, they used to have minus 15. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess I guess there were points in Warhammer history where the vampires and humans kind of coexisted because didn't Vlad Vlad tried to get himself elected the new emperor of Altdorf or something? Yeah, they, they they coexisted for a long time, but of course the vampires did it so in, in like secrecy, you know, mm-hmm. like like Vlad he. Um, he he did make himself the uh, he inherited like he married uh, Isabella who was the daughter of Otto von Drac, you know, yeah. uh, making him the actual Elector Count of Stirling. Uh, but then he decided to go to war because he had a page from a book of Nagash, uh, and he decided to go to war uh, against the Empire, uh, but. He had uh, an inordinate amount of mortal, like living followers, because he had treated them better than his father-in-law had. Because Otto was kind of a sick puppy. Um, he and Vlad, he like he didn't take any taxes from them. He didn't care about taxes. He just needed like blood every now and then. Yeah. You know? So uh, people went missing here and there, and uh, a lot of them, you know were drank to death at parties and stuff. Uh, but that was still better than what Otto was doing to them. <laughs> uh, what was Otto doing to them? Because I, I don't know this part of the story. Oh, he was a sick, sick, sick puppy. Like, he would take people he, in the streets. He would just make examples of people who had done nothing wrong. And he was paranoid. So he would take, like, his fucking fam- ex- extended family members and make examples of them, even though they were, like, trustworthy. You know, yeah, <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, <laughs> he he legitimately offered Vlad his daughter's hand in marriage to spite his brother, so that he wouldn't inherit the throne. <laughs> you know, like Vlad came into his room on his deathbed, and. Uh, Otto, like, because Otto was dying and his brother was taunting him, and then Vlad came in, and Otto was like, "Hey, you marry my daughter," <laughs> you know, and like, "Haha, he's the Elector Count now," and then he died with a smile on his face, <laughs> and uh, uh, the brother was uh, a bit of a creep too, because the whole family is fucking fucked up. So, uh, Vlad, Vlad's like uh, engagement gift to Isabella was to tear out the brother's heart and throw him out of the window. Oh, so sweet. And she was madly in love with him from that moment on. Yeah. I I love... When I play vampires, every time I play a new campaign as them, I'm like, you know what? I want to play Manfred this time. Or I'm going to play... I want to, I want to summon Krell. Like, I'm going to... Every single time I just play Vlad and Isabella. I love yeah, their campaign. Me too, man. I, I love them so much. Plus, it's like... <laughs> 
I, I on the diplomacy screen, I want to listen to Vlad's voice. <laughs> you know, I want him to be the leader as he is. He's the founder of their bloodline. But yeah, yeah, Vlad, when he was on his like uh, unholy crusade against the empire, uh, whenever he went from town to town, he would give the people an offer. He would like serve me in life or slave for me in undeath, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he, like he had a lot of mortal followers and they helped him because undead they don't do well in the sunlight well Vlad, Vlad was a much better vampire ruler than other vampires like he, he, I, was, I, he was the best yeah he, he actually made it livable for humans and, and he didn't treat them like cattle he, no, he, did, he, like did, cattle. he did treat them like cattle but he treated them like cattle on like a, a you know like a free range farm not the factory farm <laughs> There's a difference. <laughs> Maybe he just wanted yeah. organic humans, organically sourced. <laughs> you know, like he he was he was still like I see a lot of posts on like the Reddit and stuff like, oh, Vlad is such a great emperor now. No, no, he is not. He's not. He's he's better than his predecessor, but his predecessor was an unusual bag of shit. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And and Vlad is also better than any of his fucking misbegotten children, like Conrad. Fuck that guy. That guy was an unstable. Oh, oh yeah, the, the the psycho, bloodthirsty one that got himself killed because he's an idiot. Yeah, he was. He went, to, he went to war against the empire and like died. Yeah, but he was he was he was without a doubt the most dangerous like fucking duelist in that dynasty, right? Because like, no vampire ever challenged him. Like huh. the ones who did died that. in moments. Yeah. You know, like you, you don't, you don't challenge Conrad because he's uh, he, he's very, he's terrible with magic. You know, but he had necromancers doing that for him. Uh, but he wasn't charismatic, he wasn't diplomatic, <laughs> he was no ics at all. Actually, uh, he was just a frothing lunatic who eventually pissed off his own necromancers and had them turn on him. Yeah, yeah, and like. It, I don't think it. I don't, I don't think it's difficult to make a necromancer turn on you. You know, they they <laughs> scumbags. Uh, well, and necromancers aren't undead; they're human. So they're human. They they're human. Their, their loyalties. Their loyalties aren't. They're not a servant of, of undeath. You know, you can't just. Well, they are a servant of undeath, but not. Uh, they 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 are. Uh, they are not an undead servant of undeath. Yeah, that? their service is not <laughs> mandatory, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're not bound by by the the sheer will of the vampire leader. No, they're bound in the same way that the Amazon workers are bound by their fucking factories. You know, they, they can leave. Yeah. They just, you know, where are they gonna go? <laughs> uh, oh God, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, necromancers. Uh, Oh God, they, they they are such scumbags. I love them. Like cool. their voice acting, the voice acting for them in Total War is so fucking good. Like I, I just love every fucking line they have, like bats and wolves gather, you know? <laughs> yeah, I will not betray you. It's like, oh thank you. Oh, now I feel so safe hearing you say that. <laughs> you know, you telling me that you will not betray me, I I, I was you have dispelled all the worries I did not have up until this moment. Thank you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I like the hollow, deeper ringing voices of the Tomb Kings. The Tomb King voices are cool. Oh god, I love them. They're so. I love the accents. I love strong accents in games. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Who, who? What is your? Who's your favorite? So favorite legendary lord and favorite campaign to play. Uh, favorite legendary lord is uh, well, it's gotta be Vlad. You know, it's okay. just gotta be. It's, like lore, lore included. Yeah, lore included. Like I, I've, I've read the books. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of this. Um, favorite campaign. I think that's a, a Draka. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, the 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 wood really? elf. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think her campaign is terrific. How come? Well, she plays a lot like the uh, the vampire counts, you know, with uh, like uh, a fairly uh, pretty much just exclusive melee army with some dogs and stuff to run around eating people who flee, uh, magic here and there to abuse the hell out of uh, clusters. Um, she's she's just she's a it's just a rump and a riot. Uh, I love her voice acting, her whole vibe, the color purple. Um, she also the Wood Elf campaign is so fucking good in my because I like to play tall. Uh, I I don't like to spread out wide. I like to have like a cent. That's why vampire comes on my thing because I like to build up one region and let the corruption seep into the land around me before I claim it. You know. Yeah. Uh, and Draka is excellent for that because, well, all the Wood Elves are, because they have one area they can defend and they defend it against lots of different enemies, which is so juicy. Like, you can play tall, you can be isolationist, you can, you know, do that, but you can still fight enemies from all corners of the world because you can teleport between the places. Like, if I suddenly feel like I'm sick and tired of these humans, I want to kill lizards, I just go to Lustria. And I start killing lizards. Yeah. You know? And you can kind of pick every race like that. Um, and yeah, in general, Draka's campaign is just fucking terrific. Um, I'll still always play vampire counts, though, because, you know, they're my guys. Uh, <laughs> but if, if, if there was a vampire count that, that had, like, wood of mechanics, hell yeah. Huh. So what's your favorite lord and favorite campaign? Um, okay, my favorite lord is probably Skrulk. Um, because I I like Skaven society. I wouldn't want to live in it, obviously. I don't like I don't even think I don't even think the Skaven want to live in it. No, I don't think they want to live in it either. It's it's a very, a very terrible place. And, and I think it's interesting that their race in general is the whole place just reminds me of Middlesbrough. From Middlesbrough? Yeah, in England. Oh. <laughs> well, um, I, don't think, I don't think anyone would disagree with me, not even the smoggies. <laughs> All right, get, ex- explain, explain, this, explain this reference a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay, smoggies, that's what the Middlesbrough-ers call themselves. Because their factory, well, not fa- their factory, they, they're, theirs is a steel town. Um, it uh, it's actually where modern steel was invented. 
Um, but the steel mills were closed down uh, a bunch of years ago. And the unemployment is fucking through the roof. It's one of the nine poorest cities in Europe. Uh, it's like number five or at least top five on like just rape and assault statistics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. It's, it's like Somalia in Europe, except not as good looking. You know? Like I, I never saw as many missing teeth and feet in my life as when I went to Middlesbrough. Feet? Yeah, because of the diabetes. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> like, like I, this is anecdotal. I don't have actual statistics, but like fucking 20% of the fucking country. Okay, not that many, but like one in eight, I would say, of the population of that town is in a mobility scooter. And about a third of those people are missing a foot. It's like the people of Walmart started their own civilization. Yeah, it's like urban Mordor. It's just awful. <laughs> it's absolutely awful. Oh my God. Uh, but I do actually, I do actually have uh, a fondness for the place too, because the people there are scumbags. <laughs> <laughs> scumbags. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. No, they're 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 filthy fucking wretches that. <laughs> challenge you to a fight at four in the morning uh, and then throw their phones at you. Um, but before that second pint, they are wonderful. <laughs> so at nine o'clock when you're sitting at the pub, it's the best place I've ever been. And then when someone is like threatening you with a broken bottle, it's not the best place I've ever been. <laughs> But I have very fond memories of the place and so many stories you wouldn't believe. Okay, so I guess I should have assumed it would be something like this if you compared this town to Skaven Society. Because oh, it's, it is it's Skaven, but they are obviously more well-fed. <laughs> For listeners who may not know, and I can't imagine there's many, um, Skaven Society is like the worst qualities of everything. Like even other races like orcs and vampires and even chaos. Chaos is like responsible for all this. It's basically Pandora's box is chaos. Like they're responsible for all of the bad basically that happens. And chaos, most other chaos races. Trolls. Chaos, is, chaos is Satanism in the way the church views it. Right. Yeah. Like they, they, they the worst. Yeah, and so they have they they celebrate like death and bloodletting and slavery and all the other you know, sins and all the other stuff. But th- there are still positive aspects to each other society. Like if you're into if if you're into QAnon, chaos is the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, if you, if you, if you like, think like, they're like a lot of babies and throw away the corpse with like without recycling it, you know, right? Like, pedophile rings and pizza shops that sort of thing like that's that's actually what chaos does and but even even every race no matter how vile and disgusting they are there are some perceived positive qualities like within chaos they're negative to everybody else but within their own society they have positives you know they revere certain people and they they have respect for you know whatever they respect strength. They have a, a twisted sense of honor for martial combat. Uh, and in Skaven society, you can be the greatest hero of a clan and still get a fucking 
rusty shiv in your back from a friend. Yeah. No, scam um, society is like every negative. There is zero positives. There's nothing, there's nothing good. And there is nothing redeeming. They don't like even even with all this assassination and murder of like, and that's how you climb the ranks. Like you climb the ranks through murder and subterfuge. You know? <laughs> so you'd think, oh well, at least if I want to, you know, if I want to climb the social ladder, all I need is a sharpened shit, right? <laughs> but no, even even with such a clear-cut system, it still has no fucking social mobility. And if you are in the lower ranks of like the social order, you are literally like literally on the menu. Like they will actually eat you when there's low, a food shortage in society. Yeah, yeah. So they, they. Uh, uh, what I like about Skrulk is that not only did he manage to kind of climb to the top, Tretch style. Although he had help, he had the horned rat actually liked Skrulk, whereas Tretch just did it all on his own just by being a clever little bastard um, the horned rat is uh is their god by the way yeah it's their it's their god and skrulk is an interesting one because he basically fights the entire council of 13 by himself and his his clan he invades lustria and makes it his own despite the fact that when they first showed up in lustria they died to these horrible jungle plague things that they weren't you know that their race wasn't used to um and he, when he sees Nurgulich, which is this uh, one of the one of the, I don't know if Nurgulich is an avatar for Nurgle or if he's, I don't know exactly what Nurgulich is. But when Skrulk saw Nurgulich, he blinded himself because he never, he thought he would never see something that beautiful again in his life. Even though that Nurgulich was this this monstrous thing with all these like festering boils and things like he's, he's covered in well i mean these. he thought he would never see something as beautiful again i mean that's a self-fulfilling prophecy when you blind yourself <laughs> so, you're, kind of, you're kind of making sure you don't so out of out of all out of all the 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 legendary lord i think i think that skulk really makes his stories he makes great use of the things that he has and he has things that the rest of the council is envious of and i don't know i just like him in his entire arc i think he's wonderful he's um, a scrapper what's that he's a scrapper he's a scrap exactly he's a scrapper and i like he goes he goes in with his entire clan and after the plagues sort of ripped them to pieces in in lustria they, there's only like 200 of them left which for rats is basically nothing I mean, that's, I mean, you could step on that. And yeah, that's like, that's like two people. Yeah. And that's when, that's when the, they, they get blessed. And instead of the plagues harming them, they, they like fill their bodies up with plague and become carriers. And that's where the, like the plague sensors come from because they have, you know, they look like flails, you know, hanging off the chain, but inside the flail part is just plague. It's it's a mixture yeah. of like plague it's and I think like, there's uh, warp fire involved somehow warp stone. Yeah, it's like, like a like a like a like a sensor, you know, uh, yeah. like not sense censure, you know, but like a sensor with a seat. Yeah, like where, like, like, like they use in churches where they're ball. burning the incense and stuff. Except yeah, like a metal ball with holes in it to let the incense leave. Yeah, but they put it on a weapon. And he's amazing in tabletop. 
he's really cool. He's a he's a great caster and he's awesome in melee. Do you have Do you have him? I don't. I ordered. Uh, I got Queek, and I I did get a Gracier. I got a standard Gracier because I didn't have just like a generic caster. Um, and but I but I don't have Skrulk. And at the when Games Workshop was out of him at the time, and I just checked their website and they have him again. So I was like, ah, well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you got to order him. I will. I will eventually. I just I, I'm kind of tapped out. I've I've spent too much on this this hobby this summer, and I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be more careful about going. Do you, have, do you have stuff to paint left? Oh my god, I have so much to paint. I have so yeah, much. It's probably smart to get through that. Yeah, uh, I'm going to focus on painting before what I have before I go get more stuff. But uh, Same, uh, I have a pretty sizable backlog. I have Ikit. I love Ikit. And uh, I think once I'm done, finish, once I finish reading Gracier and the Thankful books, Thankful might be my favorite because Thankful is just amazing. His stories are so freaking funny. He is like the fan favorite character of the whole fucking like franchise. I can see why because he's awesome. Everything he does is awful, but he always spins it into a win, into a win. He reminds me of Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec spin team. Like right? <laughs> he's just I love like Chris Traeger. Because <laughs> we never he... have imagined Thankful being described as Chris Traeger. <laughs> <laughs> if Chris Traeger was addicted to some sort of horrific advanced methamphetamine, then the <laughs> or if Warpstone was just health food. <laughs> if Warpstone was good for you, then then I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he turns every failure into a positive and he, ma- he makes it look like everything was done on purpose. And I love that he's constantly like getting caught up with Gotrek and Felix only to find out that like they don't know who he is <laughs> and it drives him <laughs> insane because so yeah Thankful has these two sort of like rivals it's this dwarf slayer and dwarfs its slayers are uh they're they're dwarves who have committed themselves to dying in battle and uh Gotrek really wants to die in battle but the thing is, is he keeps wading into the most deadly conflicts and walking out alive anyway. And Felix is this human bard that's committed to telling his story. And Gotrek only keeps him around at first because he's like, hey, well, I need someone to tell about my tales after I die. And so they basically just go around solving huge issues because he's trying to kill himself. And Thankful keeps running into him and you know, shenanigans happen. And every single time, like they they'll foil his plots sometimes they don't even realize they foiled it but he is very much aware thankful is very aware that it was their fault and every time he sees them again they're like who are you and we don't care <laughs> so, so they 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 are his rivals but he's not their rival yeah at least at least it's eventually allegedly they they do recognize him at some point but i haven't gotten that far I, i'm about to finish the first point they have to recognize him but then again, he is a he is a fucking rat man. Like, like they're not easy to tell apart if you're not one of them. Yeah, but he's a he's he's riding bone record. I mean, I feel like that's, that's true. That's true. That's true. If you saw saw a guy who r- rode like a monstrosity like that, you'd remember him. Yeah, and he's not like a standard rat ogre. Like regular rat ogres only have two arms. Go, bone ripper has four, 
and they've got like plague sensors and warp fire throwers in the end of the arms and stuff and like <laughs> yeah, it's it's a memorable mount. Yes. I mean, if any any fucking rat that kept riding another massive rat, you would remember him. <laughs> it's when that rat is so different from all the other massive rats, then I, like you don't have an excuse. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. So I think I think that like while Skrulk is my favorite right now, it was it's always been like Skrulk and Ikit. But I think what's your favorite faction though? My favorite. Faction? No, 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 campaign. Your favorite campaign. Oh, campaign, campaign. Um, Faction is stupid. It's Skaven. Oh, yeah. Skaven's definitely my favorite. They're yeah. amazing. I love them so much. They're so freaking horrible. Um, you, are, you are so Skaven, too. I mean, you're very sweet. You're a sweetheart. You're like <laughs> a lovable Skaven. The more the more I learn about the Skaven, the more, the more I'm like, should I take this as, <laughs> as an yeah. insult? It's, it's like, a, like Skaven is just like hashtag relatable to Jeremy. <laughs> I guess the way the way I play video games sometimes by other people who also play Warhammer have described it as Skaven like. <laughs> yeah. Skaven adjacent. Skaven adjacent. <laughs> like my, my picture of Jeremy in like my like contact list on my phone is literally a picture of Ikit Claw, this mad Skaven like scientist. Oh I love it. I love it. I, I still haven't painted my Ikit model because I want him to be perfect. Like yeah. I, I really want to do a good job on him. I'm gonna take my. I'm, I'm gonna spend days on it because I really want Ikit to shine. He's so amazing. He's he's another one that's just awesome. His campaign is super fucking fun. Um, my favorite campaign though. Oh man, that's a that's a tough one because even though like I asked you and I was like you know what I should probably start thinking about it myself. Just in case he asked me back, and I still haven't really thought of it. It's tough um, to pick, though, isn't it? It is. There's a lot of good campaigns. I really enjoyed Thorax's new campaign, the new dwarf they added. The room. Oh, that is Lord. such a good campaign. It's super challenging. You know, you got it, it's very hard. Like I, I, it took me two starts to really get off the ground, and I was only playing it on very hard. And it was, it's, it's challenging because you have a lot of enemies that declare war on you and the, the game kind of forces you to race up the mountains unless you can get a military alliance. And the first game that I started, the, all the dwarves were obliterated by like turn 20. And by the time I could get up there, I managed to get Krokgar to like me, but Krokgar got landlocked. And so to get new territory, because he's an aggressive legendary lord, he, he declared war on me anyway. And I think that was your problem, man. Because what I did is I immediately, like, after killing, like, my star enemy, you know, like the spiders, spider orcs, I just immediately killed Queek, which was a piece of cake since he had nothing. Yeah. Uh, and then I allied with uh, Kalida, which was easy because she hated Queek, and also the Tomb Kings have no beef with the dwarves. And they like greater power. Which makes them so easy to ally with. They're like the easiest bad. They're, 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 so the they're such comfortable, trustworthy allies. And they only like the desert, which is not favorable terrain for dwarves. So she's never going to compete with you over anything. She's going to be happy to stay in her fucking desert. Yeah. And trade you money. And so I just allied with her. And we went together and just killed the lizards. Okay. Killed Krokgar. I just focused on him. I, I I took no declarations of war against anything, 
until I'd taken all of his territory, which was smooth because dwarves are actually really good against Saurus. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like yeah, they can provide the right stuff. Yeah, guns and stuff. Like you're not gonna beat them in a melee fight. Right. But that's not what that's not what you're here to do. You're here to shoot them from the sides while they are busy smacking you with their lizard hands, filthy fucking animals. <laughs> um, I'm not a fan of them. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think you would have a super easy campaign as him if you had just gone for Krokgar because there's like a massive gold mine there and a landmark and everything. There's so much money in that region. What, what I wound up doing... You don't have to build a single defensive building because it's in the corner of the map. Yeah. So it's all just growth and money. What, what I wound up doing was uh, I, for my second game, I sent a scout down to find Krakar immediately and did a non-aggression pact real early. And then when he declared war on Kalita, I declared war on Kalita. I helped him take the desert. And then right before Kalita was dead, I declared war on the tomb kings to the left of me. And then I paid Krakgar an obscene amount of money to go to, to enter war against them. So as soon as he mopped up Kalita, he marched his armies through my territory and started conquering to the, out to the west. So that way I could move up the mountains north and he could move to the west. And, he, and once he had a foothold in the desert, he just conquered most of Araby. He spent the whole game just declaring war on everybody over there. So my, my, I managed to keep him preoccupied. And when Grimgore finally declared war on me, which I guess didn't take all that long, um, I Krakar joined the war against that too. So when so Grimgore, because he Krakar was moving northwest, Grimgore was never able to kind of get around to the west of my mountains, and I could push north without any distraction. And it worked out pretty well. But it's still there's still there was still the race against the time. Thorgrim still died, so I did I couldn't do like a military alliance with. Uh, you know, all the, all the places up north. Belagar wound up conquering a whole bunch of stuff up there. And I declared a military alliance with him. And I got a whole bunch of the locations so I could, I could settle the grudges, the campaign grudges. That's nice. And then Belagar wound up getting mostly destroyed. And I confederated him and got his ghosts. Once I had his ancestors, the game got a, a thousand times easier. But it was like turn 80 by that point. So the campaign was, you know, mostly spoken for. So it was, it was a tough campaign. That was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know. My favorite campaign is, I want it to be difficult. I want it to be challenging and I want it to be like non-repetitive and kind of different every time. I think Cetra's campaign is very fun. Um, I think Marathi's campaign is fun, even though it's hard. Her campaign is pretty hard. Yeah, she she she's interesting though, because she corrupts everything, and she she plays very different. She plays kind of like a vampire. A little bit. She... Yeah, but I mean, it's chaos corruption. But it's she doesn't play like a she. She's not a horde faction. No. The way she plays is you you play like a vampire. You slowly corrupt your land to fuck with others and make yourself comfortable and replenish more, you know? Well, I, I mean, I invaded Ulf 1 pretty early because I, I needed to... Because Tiernach kept sending st- stacks over. And... Yeah, but it's more fun to do that too because then you feel like you're invading like a, a another world, you know? Yeah. It's like it must have been the feeling the Spaniards had when they came to South America, you know? 
<laughs> and there's a whole new world for us to wreck around, you know, and be. And I unfairly eradicated its native peoples, just like the Spaniards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, like now you have now you have empathy for them. So, you know, maybe Columbus Day is not such a bad idea after all. Oh, get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Huh? <laughs> you know what it's like huh? <laughs> oh man um i don't did know you know actually uh, did you know columbus was italian was he yeah i mean he was on a mission from uh spain but uh it was an italian guy yeah yeah i know he went to like several different kings and was like hey sponsor my voyage and it wasn't in the spanish finally said yeah sure yeah which makes sense because his name was fucking christopher <laughs> was it was it a catholic name or was he just like that is was that his name no that's his name okay you know but uh it's not a common name in spain but it's uh it's uh not uncommon in italy yeah well that's why i asked because if oh oh it's it's not you said it's not common or it is common in italy. yeah it is it's, but it's, uh, i i've never met a spaniard named christopher no. i mean it might be i mean I've, i haven't met every spaniard but you know yeah, I haven't met many people from Spain. I've met people from Mexico. A lot of people from Mexico. You know, I have met a lot of people from Mexico too. That's nice. Yeah, because because they're my coworkers. Oh, because you work in the, <laughs> the Mexican restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I, I I love it. Like I've met so many Mexicans. I've, I've met more Mexicans in the last few months than I have in my entire life. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Mexicans are fucking great, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know why like the the Trump people don't like them. They're so sweet. It's it's all an us versus them immigration thing. You know, it's, yeah. it's like if Mazda Monday was like if people are like, hey Mazda Monday, they trade with us. I mean he wouldn't care. He's a he's a fat racist. No, no but fucking Mazda Monday's a piece of shit and a lizard too. Subhuman, literally. I mean he's cold blooded. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't even have warm blood. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> huh? Cold-blooded. You never describe someone as cold-blooded in a positive way. Huh? He is literally cold-blooded. He's a cold motherfucker. You know, I, I, I want nothing to do with this. Uh, they're, they're bad people. They're Literally, they're bad at being people. They're lizards. Yeah. Yeah. You know? All right, my I think I think my actual final answer is I'm just gonna say Ikit. I think it gets my favorite campaign because I like having the option to play defensive, and he can. I like having the option to go on the offense. I'm very good at that. I like being able to kind of like have each campaign be a different subset of enemies because some some campaigns you always fight the same people in the first like 30 turns, and it can get really tedious. And I think Ikit can do it all. Ikka can do it all. And I was thinking about Marathi. Like, Marathi's campaign is fun, but you always fight a ton of high elves and dark elves at the beginning. And I just get sick of fighting elves after a while. Whereas Ikka, one, I had an Ikka game on, I was playing on Legendary. I just pieced out and went south to, and, and started conquering Araby. I was in Araby by, like, turn 10. And I spent the whole campaign down there just carving carving it up and, and, and taking it all. Ikka also has some really fun, like, mechanics to his faction like unique mechanics like he's oh, got the workshop workshop is amazing 
and he's got he's got fucking nuclear weapons. Oh yeah, like you're in a fantasy setting with uh, nuclear weapons. You got an edge, man. Yeah, yeah, and and those rattling guns never run out of ammunition, and you can oh. do that from turn one. <laughs> That's so obscene. I love it because you start off with enough to upgrade the the. Uh, rattling guns on your first turn it's 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 so choice and i know that's like in terms of people who play warhammer 2 that's a totally basic answer but it gets campaign is just fucking fun it's amazing i love yeah, it so but, you know you don't need to have a complicated answer you know no, I, I i don't apologize for it either and if no. somebody complains they can they can uh tell them where to stick it stick it to it stick it with it <laughs> <laughs> I, but you know what? We're gonna call an episode there because it's over an hour, and I think we should like try to control ourselves this season. <laughs> no, um, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think we should try to make our episodes like forty-five minutes, something like that, more digestible. I I want serious commitments. I want three-hour marathons. I want to go in the opposite direction. So we should meet in the middle and do like an hour and a half. No, <laughs> we're gonna do forty-five-minute episodes and. Then we're going to politely, yet firmly, ask you, the listener, to listen to them three hours apiece. Mm, at a time, yeah. yeah so. if, you don't, if you don't, then, you know, we'll kill a bunny. Oh, I won't be responsible for that. Yeah, exactly. We're not responsible. We will be doing the killing, but we're not responsible. You are. <laughs> the bunny's blood is on your hands. We're, we'll be the ones washing our hands, but yours will never be clean. And then putting it into a vial and shipping it to your house. And so when you open, but it'll be it'll be booby traps. So you open the box, you're like, oh yeah, my Amazon. Yeah, uh, we just put it in buckets, give it to like uh, eco terrorists, and tell them it's red paint and that you are made of fur coats or something. They'll splash you. I'll just put a bucket on top of their front door. That is such an old trick that it has to work. <laughs> I feel like it has to work. There's no way it can't work. But I also feel like it's a bit of a douchey trick because it's like, haha, you got wet. That's funny. But haha, you got a bucket on your head. That's like, dude, that hurts. What do you do that for? What, like, why don't you? Why don't you just go and hit them with the bucket and then pour something on them? You know, it's. I feel like if I was gotten with the bucket on top of the door trick, I wouldn't blame the other person for being unoriginal. I would blame myself for being got gotten by it no i would internalize that because why would you ever expect a bucket when you open the door exactly but still you should feel the weight of it or something like but you don't feel the weight of it because they balance it like the second you push the door it falls yeah that's true you know but why is your front door ajar if it's your front door is it like your house and you look and it's partially open that's true that's very suspicious Mm. but is it suspicious because of the bucket or suspicious because you're thinking what kind of junkie got into my house you know <laughs> if a junkie got in your house you're still going to go into the house and check and then the bucket's going to hit you and you're not even going to look at the top of the door because you're going to be looking around the corner to say hey is there a junkie here you know okay would it legitimize the prank for you then if i put like a letter in a sealed envelope with with your name on it and i put that down on the floor of the porch so you i i don't know i don't know why you think i need it legitimized i'm arguing in favor of the prank oh <laughs> okay you're talking to yourself here buddy 
Right. But yes, yes, that would that would improve the prank. That would improve the prank because it would keep you from looking up. And yeah, that... you'd be looking down and you would open the door so you could reach and grab the letter. Yeah, it's boom. very clever. The that, that trick only works from the outside though. Like the, the, the bucket has to be on the opposite side of the, the, the door uh, of you. Like, you know, it has to be on the other, in the room where the door points in. Because otherwise you're obviously going to see the bucket from a mile away. You need you need the top of the door, like above the door frame, to kind of like shield the bucket from sight. <laughs> even if you put an envelope on the floor, first of all, you're not going to see the envelope uh, if it's behind the door. And also, there is no fucking way your peripheral vision doesn't tell you there's a bucket above your head when you're from a distance. Sure. Yeah, you got to be like autistic level staring at your shoes while walking for that to happen. And even then, when you open the door, the bucket's going to fall on the wrong side of the door because you open the door towards you, the bucket's going to fall behind the door. Okay, now, maybe you're just really short, but the bucket is balanced on like saloon doors. Wait, like in cowboy movies? Yes, that can't be, though, because the saloon doors, they have, like, a round shape in the middle, so the bucket won't balance on it. Oh, you just, you, just, you just shave that down so it's flat. Yeah, but then you have to be extremely short, because if you shave down, a saloon door, a saloon door is already short, so if you shave it down, it's like at the... What if they're installed incorrectly, so they're too high, so, like, the door starts at, like, your shoulder level? Uh, at that point, at that point, I would just—I wouldn't even push the saloon door. I would just bend my head under the door. Okay. I don't think saloon doors are made for this trick. <laughs> now I want to think of one that saloon doors are made for. <laughs> so this has been Moot. Please follow us on Twitter at the Moot Podcast and visit us at the Moot subreddit. We apologize about this episode. I don't. Screw you guys. Love you. All right, bye. He said that. I didn't. I love you guys. Bye.